0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z.
1: I'm Adam, and I'm Zach. And Adam, welcome to the end of the road. End of the road? No, 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 no. This is just no. This is just this is another... where all things die. What? This is I, where all
0: I... things are decimated, Adam. Oh, it, it's all over. We when oh. we started this crazy thing, we said we were going <laughs> to do 500 stories, and we're creeping up on it.
1: Yeah. Now I have to uh, sing we're... boys to men. You know, at the end of the road, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be sad.
0: <laughs> I'm going to miss it. Uh, but you know what? We're here at the end and we're here at the end, uh, actually celebrating with a bunch of our friends uh, from the Comics XF discord who are listening into this podcast, which is a lot of fun. And we're really happy to have them there. If you've not joined the discord, uh, jump on over here. It's fun. We have good times.
1: Yeah, thanks everybody for being here. I think this is the first time we've broadcast a recording live in approximately a year. Um, yeah,
0: we did some stuff early pandemic because that felt like the thing. Uh, and then we didn't realize that this was going to be like an ongoing <laughs> thing for the yeah. long chunk of everyone's life.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody realized that it would be over a year. Um, but anyway, it is uh, a monumental episode we have here today, Zach, because uh, we are going to hit... How many stories on our big old list?
0: We are going to we are going to cross the Rubicon of 500. Wow. Uh yeah, it's a lot. That's as many as 5x's Man, or I,
1: VX's. I remember when like that first day we did like nine stories. We did three we
0: <laughs> If you ever go back we did three episodes in a row, and then we waited a month, and then we did three more episodes in the row, and that's why at episode seven things finally start to get decent because we finally <laughs> got feedback from other people on it being good and stuff.
1: Oh, it's amazing to be uh, to be here this many stories later, and I can't believe we're sneaking up on the two hundredth episode. So landmarks galore. Uh, And like you said, today we are talking exclusively about the aftermath of House of M. This is all stories that came out of Decimation.
0: It is. Uh, It's a monumental event to celebrate a monumental uh, episode. Uh, And that is thanks to one of our monumental Patreon supporters. I'm talking, of course, about Will. Will went over to patreon.com slash comicsxf threw a couple of dollars into our coffers and said, folks... I really, really want you to talk about the decimation. Uh, so, Will, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, if you're in the audience listening right now, a special thanks. I don't have any everyone's Patreon name attached to their uh, Discord username. Please forgive me. Mekopa. Mecopa. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to start with the first story to come out of decimation, uh, and that is x-men volume 2 number 177 to 179 it's called house arrest uh this was written by peter milligan with pencils by savada liquid does the colors on this alan martinez does those inks uh vc's cory petite he does those letters um let's set the stage adam house of x House of M. I'm sorry. House of X
1: is good. House of M is good. House of M, right? So we, House we have of M. the Great Pretender uh, say no more mutants, and all of a sudden, there's only like 200 mutants left on the planet Earth. So uh, they they become a, a bit of an endangered species here. Um, and endangered species is a different arc. I know. I know, but still, they're in trouble, and uh, some of the X-Men have lost their powers, and we're just in bad shape here. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, we've got Sentinels reporting for duty on their front lawn, and it's, you know, a little bit confusing for our ex-pals.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Special Liaison Valerie Cooper. (laughs) Yes. Valerie Cooper is not dumb. She is a smart woman. She knows the mutants, is friends, friends is the wrong word, work proximity associates with uh, them, and yet she finds out that the mutant race has been decimated. Mm -hmm. And within minutes of finding this out, there is a legion of human-controlled sentinels that surround the X-Mansion, and she thinks this is a good idea.
1: Oh, man. The amount of bad decisions that we will hear from uh, O.N.E. and Lorna in this episode. I mean, not Lorna. um, uh, Val Cooper. Val, thank you. It's tremendous. It's just one stupid thing after another. Uh, Why you would think that any of this was a good idea or why Cyclops agrees to any of it is just beyond me.
0: I like to think that Cyclops is just having a really bad day (laughs) and... He was tired. He was on like a couple hours of sleep.
1: Yeah, you'd be in a bad mood too if Salvador Larocca was drawing you.
0: Uh yeah. We don't. We've talked about Salvador Larocca enough in the past uh, to know that he does workmen like Salvador Larocca work here, and it's not great.
1: It's oh, not my great. God, it is hard to look at. Not a fan at all. Uh, the oh, uh, it's just you know I, what I was thinking about as I was reading this arc is that you know we give chuck austin x-men from this same era like a lot of crap and it's deserved but i feel like milligan gets a pass because he did uh x statics and he shouldn't because
0: no milligan's is x-men bad. is also very bad <laughs> this is not good milligan's x-men only has like four arcs and they're all trash Oof. is the thing
1: yeah i had kind uh, of forgotten about of that because we we've already ranked the uh the apocalypse arc that comes almost right after this and uh, that was bad. And this is also bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they fight the Sentinels. The Sentinels say, hold on. We're just regular humans just like you. Not <laughs> said in this story, but is said, said in the Sentinel Squad 1 story that we aren't ranking. Uh, their, their field commander is James Rody Rhodes, uh, Iron Man's best friend.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is bad? I-, I don't like that. They're also, like, ostensibly there because there's a small hunting party on the outskirts of the mansion. Like, really? There's like
0: 30 people in the Sapien League, yeah, right?
1: The the X-Men can take these guys. There, there's really, it's a lady in a hockey mask. I, I think we're okay, you know? Oh,
0: you're talking about the leper Queen. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, but why are we sending in sentinels to defend the human race from like a a bunch of guys with hunting rifles when we clearly have superpowered individuals here who could crush them in seconds?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a weird choice that is all just to get to the plot of, well, now there's sentinels guarding the X mansion, which again, logistically, those sentinels had to be built and ready to go. The government just had genocide robots. I wouldn't trust them.
1: No, of course not. And, uh, you know, they they do take one out. It smashes into the mansion, busts up like a Oops good Oopsie daisy. Right? Uh, another distracting thing in this arc is that um, Bobby is dating Lorna, and he's just, like, constantly calling her, like, baby or honey or some other, like... He's
0: overcompensating. Like...
1: Oh, it's... it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Here's the thing about Bobby and Lorna in this. So Bobby was probably, well, I say probably, Professor X Magneto were easily the highest profile mutants to lose their power on Mm -hmm. M-Day. Bobby's like number three then, if that's the order. And he gets his powers back in the middle of this story, which is the biggest cop-out I've ever seen. Like, they didn't commit to the decimation by any stretch like <laughs> no. the people who stayed depowered until the crucible were just the people they forgot about fixing uh,
1: exactly a hundred percent the reason what it was that Bobby gets uh repowered is is tied back to Emma having uh been in his body um, way back in the 90s and uh, okay but you're right like if we're really gonna commit to this bit that they're deep powered and that significant characters are gonna have this issue uh, take out one of the O5, right? Like, I, I don't know. The choices there are very strange. And uh, yeah. Lorna spends most of this arc pretending that she hasn't lost her powers, even though, yeah, she has lost her powers.
0: I'm trying to think of if there's ever been a really good time to be a fan of Lorna Dane. And I'm thinking immediately
1: when she was introduced. Sure. And maybe now.
0: Maybe now. And there's a bit of a chunk where Peter David's X factor isn't what it will become. Mm. And that part's, that part's all right with Lorna. When Larry Stroman's drawing her hair, it's a great time to be a Lorna Dane
1: fan. Absolutely. Uh, this ain't it though, folks.
0: (laughs) She had it rough.
1: It is not. Um, so we spend most of this arc, um, you know, just dealing with these Sentinel shenanigans, or the Leopard Queen, uh, Leopard Queen stalking the X Men from the outskirts of the mansion, and it culminates with. Uh Lorna saying hey look I I can't stay here anymore I don't have my powers um even though nobody told her she couldn't stay um unlike
0: Danny Moonstar who they immediately kicked out
1: but that's (laughs) fine yeah that's weird right um and Bobby wants to go after her they convince Bobby to stay Havoc decides hey I'm gonna be Mr. Chivalrous and I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go with her and that you know there's uh some other lead-ins to upcoming arcs including uh some stuff with um mystique and pulse uh who you know we we've talked about that on another episode that's kind of stupid um we also get some scenes in space um with gazer yeah that that leads into the apocalypse stuff that's coming up soon so you know milligan's He's planting some seeds here and there, but there's not a lot of things that are interesting here. I will say Peepers is here, which given Peepers is here with Outlaw. Right. So with with uh, Peepers current status of being restored to being super cool and Magneto's best bud, uh, I kind of really dug seeing him here again.
0: (laughs) Peepers is oddly prominent in this era. Yeah. Uh, Like he's he's. Viciously murdered in uh, Messiah Complex mm-hmm. by uh, what it, the the dinosaur? I forget what his uh, name Predator is, X. The, Predator X, yes, uh, which sounds like it should be the tenth Predator movie, but it's not. Uh, he, uh, but he shows up here, and I like it. Some people think that Peepers is actually secretly a bad guy, uh, on sword by Al Ewing and Valerio Schiedi, Uh To which I say, no. I think Peepers is just cool. I I I think Peepers is just vibing now.
1: If that's where we're going with the story, I'd be surprised. But uh, I I just love that he's around and that he provides such a great foil to make fun of Fabian Cortez. It's it's wonderful.
0: There's people who tried to... When we wrote an article about S.W.O.R.D. last week, someone was like, Why are you guys so mean to Fabian Cortez? And the response is... (laughs) Really? (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't know how anyone understands the concept of fabian cortez and is aware of fabian cortez as an ongoing entity right And doesn't get and this is why we make fun of him because he's the worst and that's why he's there
1: so right like he's, he's trash and i love him yeah that's his purpose as a character um, all he
0: does is be the worst
1: yeah so we're, we're setting up the the status quo for this uh particular era i think
0: that status quo they messed up real bad
1: yeah it's dumb I, I think it's real dumb, and uh, you know I don't think this really turns around until maybe Messiah Complex, right?
0: About then, yes. yeah, yes, right about then.
1: So uh, not feeling this. No so wait,
0: it turns it turns around when Peter Milligan leaves this book and uh, Supernova starts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, they... let's get into that Casey stuff because this just
0: Casey. Nope. Do you think Joe Casey wrote Supernova? Wait,
1: who? A uh, Mike Carey. My carry, bud. Thank you. Come on. Get in my case in my up your game. You're supposed to be an expert. Oh, I'm not an expert. You that that's the point of the show. Remember? Well, Adam <laughs> Adam I'd I'd say
0: if anyone if anyone in their lifetime had read 499 X-Men <laughs> stories, 498, excuse me. 498 x-men stories they could be considered an expert
1: okay i mean i'll take it i just you know i you know that my role is always to be learning uh but yeah we should rank this on on that massive list uh yeah
0: we really should because we have a bunch of stories uh the number one story on our list is house of x Powers of 10 uh the number one hundred. Story on our list is Excalibur Mojo Mayhem. Number two hundred on our list is Wolverine in the X Men thirty thirty five, the Hellfire Saga. Uh, number three hundred on our list is X-Men number one, the first one they ever did. Um, the one with Magneto in it. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't break down any X-Men number ones really. It takes a couple out of contention, but that's not the point. Classic X-Men forty three is at four hundred. That's the one where Phoenix is on the in the white hot room. Mm-hmm. And then four ninety eight is of course the Draco.
1: Uh, we have the arc that comes kind of after this, the Blood of Apocalypse, all the way down at 417, Zach. So is this better or worse than the Blood of Apocalypse?
0: It's better than the Blood of Apocalypse mm-hmm. because, because the Blood of Apocalypse is very long.
1: Yeah, that's true. And this
0: is blessedly short. Blood of Apocalypse, like this... It moves at a good clip. Like Milligan is not dragging out this story. In fact, I would say it's almost too decompressed, like yeah, to the, the point of yeah, very little happens in this, where a lot happens in the blood of Apocalypse. It's all bad, but a lot does happen.
1: <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, I would agree. This this does feel uh, like almost nothing is happening. We're standing still. Um, I don't think this is as good as 405 Wildcats X-Men.
0: Love that we have it on that list. We just think of the Travis Cherist parts, and we don't think of anything else. Now we think about Grifter and Gene kissing.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's, there's two good issues there. Um, uh, four oh nine. Is this better than? A, yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, is this better than Apocalypse versus Dracula? Um, that's at four thirteen.
1: I, I think we're we're pretty much in the same category here. Because uh, right
0: above that is X Men: The Movie Special Number One from Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast. Yep. Above that is X Men One Half, mm-hmm. and then Cyberforce X Men, and I think Cyberforce X Men's better.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that half issue is better as well. Um,
0: I I you would know rather what? reread the movie special.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, I didn't really like Apocalypse versus Dracula, so why don't we put this in at our uh, as our new four thirteen?
0: Do you know what would have made Apocalypse versus Dracula uh, higher on this list? Uh, if they fought. <laughs> Yeah, if, if Apocalypse and Dracula <laughs> did the thing that they promised. Ugh. Um, Now, speaking of doing the thing that they promised, mm. uh, they, they did promise to tell us the stories of the mutants who were left behind. Uh, Generation M.
1: Yeah. Uh, and we get a whole five-issue miniseries here uh, that sort of delves into... Uh, Not only who was left behind, but some of the societal effects of of what is happening after M-Day. So what is this, Zach? This is Generation M. And who's this by?
0: This is by Paul Jenkins. Uh,
1: He does the writing.
0: Ramon Box does the pencils. Uh, John Lucas on inks. Art Leon on the colors. Uh, It's five issues. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. It is centered around the character... Of Sally Floyd, uh, Sally Floyd is a character that Peter David—not Peter David, excuse me—Paul Jenkins really likes. She gets introduced here, and she is used in several other things, uh, including a very famous uh, interview she gives with Captain America, where she says, "Let me ask you something, sir. Do you know what MySpace is?" <laughs>
1: That I'm sure has eased. You don't
0: understand the question, sir. I'm trying to illustrate a point, so bear with me. (laughs) Do you know who won the last World Series? Or who was the last American idol? When was the last time you actually attended a NASCAR race? When was the last time you watched The Simpsons or logged on to YouTube to watch a stupid video? Answer? These are the questions she wants to ask Captain America. Steve Rogers? (sighs)
1: Sally, um, oof. Sally is tragic.
0: Do you remember when Captain America took over uh, America because he was a secret Nazi? Oh,
1: yes. Unfortunately. Yes.
0: Uh, And you remember how, in our world, uh, some people on Twitter yelled at Nick Spencer about that because it was pretty tone deaf and actually a bad story. Oh, yes. Like, just structurally, it was pretty bad. Yeah.
1: Appropriately.
0: Well... Nick Spencer did bring back Sally Floyd uh, <laughs> for that story. And he had Nazi Captain America yell at her and said, I'm sure all the people on Twitter will be thrilled.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Wow. it's We forget God. about that part of uh, Secret Empire. That has nothing to do with this. Uh,
1: yeah, but Sally, Paul Jenkins is here. Sally is, yeah. uh, I guess th- what, what they're going for here is that she's a, a, a liberal-leaning... Uh, opinion columnist who has had a long running thing called the mutant diaries um we find out later in this story and in, in a pretty effective part of the story i feel like that her daughter actually died because of m-day and a really well not because of m-day but it, it's it's interestingly tied to m-day um
0: okay yes but here's the problem with that okay her daughter yes who's a mutant yes her daughter has Benjamin Button's disease. Right. That's not an exaggeration. Her daughter has Benjamin Button's disease. Right.
1: She ages to a certain point and then now she's aging in reverse. And if she if M Day had come sooner, the the daughter could She would have stopped
0: Benjamin Buttoning. What? She would have stopped Benjamin. Exactly. Button. She would have done so, a reverse Benjamin. Button, right. So it's called aging.
1: We have this, this grieving mother as part of this story, uh, who is, um, an alcoholic is not trying to get better at all. And is at the same time doing all of these interviews. Um, now if there was a one shot where we had this story of this woman and what she went through, I, I think it might, might be pretty effective. What we get instead, unfortunately, is a series of issues where we interact with very strange versions of X-Men characters in cameo situations, all while there is a mutant killing serial killer monster called the Ghoul, uh, who is just trying to, you know, kill as many mutants as he can. Um,
0: I completely forgot about the ghoul because the entire – that entire subplot is so superfluous. It is only there to justify the length of this miniseries. It's like they had one idea, which was Sally interviews mutants about M-Day. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting, like it, want to do something with it. Oh, no. There's nothing to keep people buying the next issue, <laughs> and they pick a bad murder plot.
1: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because even the interviews that she does with the X-Men that are here, um, Jubilee, Stacy X, the Blob, um, and then Chamber.
0: Well, Chamber doesn't really get an interview as much as he doesn't have a face anymore. Right,
1: he is on life support um, because his his sort of candle has gone out. There, um, they're not. interesting interactions they are sort of like just man on the street interviews about hey what are you doing oh i'm doing this and it's not very interesting you know and it's not so there's some
0: there's some rough parts with it the interview with uh stacy x is handled with all of the care that uh, went into dealing with sex work in the year of 2006. Oh, man, it's bad. Uh,
1: it's that's, it's bad.
0: Oof. There's transphobic jokes in there from a liberal uh, rag, which, again, would have been normal in 2006 and still would have been wrong in 2006. And it's, for me reading it now, that was really frustrating for them to be like, she's a super liberal news person, and then you pull that crap. It really, that really bothered me. Uh, it really bothered me that all of the interviews with all of the X-Men characters are bad. Like Jubilee is now running a political office. Like, uh,
1: can we get into that activist? for a second? So one of the, we can, cause I know you love Jubilee. Yeah. But one of the other, uh, plots of this is that we have yet another politician character here who is, uh, very pro mutant registration. Um, you know, it's just representing the whole, you know, right wing fascist, uh, you know, uh, rep- con- congressional representative. We've had lots of characters like this in X Men, but we're expected to believe that that Jubilee is like volunteering her time at this organization. And I just, I think the entire idea of the X Men kicking out their own just doesn't fly. Like Jubilee is is family to the X Men. Why is she now not at the mansion? why is she i'm not saying that what she's doing is not noble but it doesn't seem in character with who she is and what her interactions should be with her friends and her family right
0: no you're absolutely right it's it was frustrating when we talked about it when they had to write uh danny moonstar out of uh new Mm x-men uh and it's frustrating here it's frustrating that Warren, Warren Worthington fakes being depowered, but actually isn't, and it's all a trick?
1: Yeah, he's looking for a way to um, sort of trick the ghoul into attacking so that they can get the ghoul. But to do it, he has to fake that his wings have, have stopped functioning. But he's really just using an image inducer. Um, of all the
0: mutants here, I'm curious if you know this offhand, Adam. Do you know who stayed depowered the
1: longest? Who stayed depowered the longest? Because
0: most of these characters get repowered within a, less than five years.
1: I mean, I can think of. Jubilee doesn't get it back till Generation X Volume 2.
0: Yeah, but she becomes a vampire.
1: Yeah, I guess. But she but
0: gets she, superpowers. She doesn't
1: have her Jubilee powers until then. No. Um,
0: well, she gets fake Jubilee powers in that Bad New Warriors run.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. When she's Wondera. <laughs> no, 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 no uh okay do you know i I, because i don't
0: uh so danny moonstar doesn't get him back until right before house of x powers oh right yeah and stacy x i don't believe has ever gotten them back but that's mostly because there's been one good page of stacy x ever written ever Hmm. uh and that was with leah williams uh and i'm sure leah just hasn't found a place for stacy x yet
1: yeah I mean, they absolutely do not know what to do with her. And I think there's similarly like this, There, there's this through line of kind of like disdain. Like, this is an interviewer who's supposed to be a journalist uh, having some empathy for these folks and uh, telling their stories to the public. But then we get scenes like there's a, a depowered mutant support group and she kind of like makes fun of them. Um,
0: oh, yeah. Sally
1: sucks. Yeah, we see the blob, and he's been depowered into just sort of like lots of extra skin, and just the way things are handled with certain characters, uh, it it doesn't. I, I I don't know. It it doesn't.
0: It's taking it's taking characters who are the most down on their luck, like Stacy X, mm-hmm. like Blob, like Marrow, and kicking them again yeah. when they're down. Yes, and that's a weird. That's a weird way to approach this, I think. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think that speaks to not actually knowing what story you wanted to tell. Just having somebody in editorial who was like, man, there's too many mutants. We should do something about that.
1: This could be a really interesting premise. Um, and I actually do not uh, dislike the artwork. I think it's an interesting idea to hire somebody who has sort of a, a different style. This looks more like an indie comic than it does a straight mm-hmm. superhero comic. Um, and there are moments where i think things do click um like i said the the story of the daughter really does it, it you know it pulls at your heartstrings um but as a eh. whole
0: again benjamin button disease but yeah sure
1: but as a whole this thing especially because it's tied down by these these very like sad but not like not somber just kind of like boring interviews and then it's also saddled with this awful storyline about the serial killing ghoul it it just doesn't work uh as a whole and you know i don't want to spend time with this character
0: i don't either and i don't want to spend time on this story anymore so let's uh (laughs) let's rank this um I have highlighted on my list uh, Iceman Volume Three One Through Five Thawing Out. Uh, that's at three fifty-seven. I think Ice Man's better than this. I
1: would agree. Um, I do think this is better than the first story that we talked about. I think it's trying some more stuff. I see mm-hmm. you've also highlighted at three eighty-three NYX No Way Home. Um, we're, we're in the right realm of the list there because I, I feel like we're. We're in, like at three eighty eight. We have the Uncanny X Men Annual eight, uh, the Adventures of Lockheed and uh, his pet girl. This Kitty. is better
0: than the Adventures of Lockheed and his pet I, girl. I
1: think Kitty. so. I, I want to give credit to this for at least trying some stuff. Um, it just doesn't succeed. We're on par with at three eighty six, all new X Men four to seven, which is the Paris uh, arc. Um, you know, it's trying something, but it's it's not succeeding.
0: So between those, three, three 383 is No Way Home, 384 is The Return of Le- the Legion mm-hmm. uh, from New Mutants, 385 is the Dazzler Thor arc of A-Force, uh, and even though that arc is kind of nothing, I think I kind of like that better than this one, but I would put it above the Paris arc of all new X-Men.
1: I, I think that's a good spot for it. Uh, this could be our new 386. Um I just, I agree, like, at least Dazzler Thor has a couple of moments that I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun.
0: That that one has pretty art. Oh, Adam, we hecked up. We hecked up. That was our 500th story. We did it.
1: Oh, congratulations. <laughs> <That was 500. laughs> Woo, confetti. We did it. Uh, Generation
0: M. Yeah. Why did we not plan better? Ooh. We could have picked something fun that we enjoyed.
1: Well, I mean, you know, we're not great at counting so
0: (laughs) terrible i can't even i could probably tell you what episode we're on but i'd have to look at my list
1: we're in the 190s i know that
0: we are we're on the road to 200 now yes
1: uh well congratulations man so we're gonna go to 501 now yes because Um, we only
0: count in threes yes
1: and uh folks when they decided to make some kooky stuff to go along with decimation they did not stop at generation m no 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 (laughs) <laughs> they felt the need to also create the 198. The
0: 198 is written by David Hine. Uh, Jim Munez does the pencils. Kevin Conrad inks. Uh, Matt Miller does the colors. Uh, now, David Hine, you may be familiar with. Uh, he did the uh, District X book, uh, The Bishop is a Cop in Mutant Town book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he followed that up with uh, the book, uh, what's it called? Uh, mutopia during house of m
1: and that's not surprising given that we see some district x elements come back in this particular story um
0: yeah and mutopia elements that's where yes. uh that's where what john Nee comes from
1: oh we are going to talk about these characters i think before we do i just want to make two artistic notes here one we are getting these really fantastic uh graphic black white and red covers for the miniseries
0: gorgeous covers
1: they are outstanding They, they are designed to look like propaganda posters and they're just fantastic um i i think many people who might have been picking up the book assuming that the inside would look anything like this is in for some big disappointments Um, It doesn't look like it.
0: But the covers are beautiful. Beautiful covers. Beautiful
1: covers. We also do need to talk about Jim Muniz's art. Because Jim, Jim, my friend, uh, you clearly like Travis Cherist. You clearly want to draw faces like Travis Cherist. You clearly do not understand how bodies and faces work. Um, Every single head is an egg with a face sitting on it sliding off of it the proportions are always terrible i hated looking at this book it is extraordinarily uncomfortable to like actually try and page through this because everybody's faces look absolutely bonkers
0: it doesn't look um fantastic but it is a book that is absolutely wild so we talk about Liking weird X-Men characters, right? Yep. So this is a cast that makes, like, Hellions, the book that has Nanny and the Orphan Maker in it, <laughs> seem like all-stars. Because you've got... Here's your big hitters. you got Erg. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember Erg? He was in The Gifted. He's a Morlock. you got Fever Pitch, Jazz, John D. Leech is around, I guess. Uh, Lorelai Travis. Uh, MammoMax. Uh, He's there. Sack. He's around. And then I guess Mr. M.
1: Yes, we cannot forget. This is the return of our erstwhile antagonist in District X. Mr. M. Strolls in uh, to the makeshift sort of refugee camp uh, that has been. It's a concentration camp. Well, that is uh, a big. Or it's
0: a. It's a relocation camp. It's very similar to and made a point of in this book. Uh, similar to the internment camps that Japanese Americans were put in during World War II. Yes,
1: they, that is very blatant as part of the conversation. Uh, as is later in the story when uh, they are implanted with with I guess RFID chips that can also give them like shocks to make them pass out.
0: They're Suicide Squad chips.
1: Whew, that ain't great, um, you know. Yeah, they shouldn't have. They, I know. So
0: I, I come from a more fundamentalist Christian background than Adam does. Mm. And when RFID chips were first introduced in the world, like anything that involves tracking of any sort, uh, there were there were some conservative folks who did decide that that was the mark of the beast. Um, and David Hind is not doing anything to dissuade them of those opinions. Yeah. It is a bad thing to get chipped in this world.
1: Uh yes, these chips are not going into the cell phones that the characters are provided with, though. They are going directly under the skin. So of course this is a grafted little bit... onto
0: the bone specifically.
1: Yes. Uh which is just weird. Um Weirder still is the like very odd character of Johnny D, which I want to get into because he is horrific. And it is, like, just absolutely difficult to look at him on the page, um, because he basically has, like, a Cthulhu monster growing out of his chest.
0: He does, and what he can do is if he puts uh, material into the sentient ma protruding from his chest of a different mutant, he will create a mutant voodoo doll of them? Oh, God. And he hides them in, like, oyster shells? Yes. This is all... Yeah, they're
1: birthed in oyster shells that come out of the mouth.
0: It's weird, and I don't like it. Uh, He kills a guy named Jazz who's just trying to get some heroin. Uh, And frankly, it's not nice because Erg gave him money for some smack. And Jazz was like, fine, I'll pick you up up some... I don't know what the appropriate amount of heroin is, how they distribute it. I think he says a 30-something, but again... I do not partake. <laughs> <Right>. fairly, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I
1: can't compare that to anything. I don't know whether it's true. I wanna say about Johnny that um I think he's really interesting. Like this is just a fascinating concept for a character that is both interesting and disturbing and also functions in a really interesting way and it's part of this story. And I really do wonder if there was a different artist on this this book, and maybe it was an issue shorter, whether I would have a much higher opinion of it, because I don't really have a problem so much with the actual story of the book. Uh, it is just really ugly to look at.
0: It is. And the plot, there's a lot of talk about, you know, civil rights and all this stuff, which is a hard conversation to have because it's very obvious that no, there shouldn't be genocide robots. Putting all mutants into camps, even if the camp is on the lawn of the X-Mansion. That seems like a bad plan. Uh, But then when everyone leaves, like Mr. M, uh, who, for a character that's supposed to be so powerful, he has no real characterization, right? He's just like weird.
1: Yeah, just a weird dude. Mr. M is just like, hey, I kind of have like... Uh, like a brain for a noggin, and, and I wear a, a hat and an overcoat, and I can do anything I want because he's like, he's hinted it to be omega level, and you know he's he's just able to change reality at his whim. It seems like or matter. I'm not... I
0: believe he has been listed on the uh, on the data pages in the now times. Nice. Mister M is going to come back. That'd be great. Wait, what he's ruling one of the worlds of another world, and I forget which
1: one. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's so cool.
0: Well, someone did not read our Ten of Swords coverage, Adam.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know. What what am I supposed to (laughs) do? Read? I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: Don't worry. When we get to Ten of Swords in 2023, I'll make sure to point it out to you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, Mr. M dies because Johnny D uses his voodoo dolls to make Leech depower Mr. M and then Magma to... uh, set him on fire and turn him into butterflies
1: um yeah i guess technically kinda. that's kind of how this thing ends is that uh mr m's coffin pops open and instead of mr m's body there it is butterflies um so a bunch
0: of butterflies yeah
1: you know there's some fun stuff happening here i think that there is a horror comic hidden inside of this that could have been really cool in the right hands um unfortunately these are not the right hands and we we get this very long drawn out debate about, you know, what these characters rights are. And it's also, you know, you were talking about how it's so obviously wrong, but it's difficult because the characters taking the wrong stance are not just O.N.E. and uh, and Val. It's the X-Men. And the X-Men are trying to sort of like say, Oh well, I guess we'll go along with this. And why? Why would you go along There's with this? There's a point when Kitty Pride is like,
0: Yeah, no, this is this is pretty bad. Y'all are doing a concentration camp in my uh in my lawn yeah, and I don't like right. it. Right. And then Val Cooper's like, Oh, what's up with her? And Beast has to say, Well, the grandpa the grandpa was killed in the Holocaust, so maybe this is sensitive for her. And then nothing comes of it? No, Like no you can't you can't drop that bomb and then say but we're going to continue doing this yeah we think it's right it's
1: very strange when you have these characters that are all about you know saving the the mutant species as a whole and they're basically telling mr m and the the other characters who go with him like get back in your tent and it's like what? Why? Why are we telling these characters that they can't be free and that they have to go back inside because there really has not been established a credible like mutant ending threat of any kind aside from what we read about in that X-Men arc that we were talking about earlier so there's no stakes here you know? It's not like Mr. M and his crew are in danger in any way shape or form they're just gonna go hang out on an island and create a utopia um <laughs> and then there you know cyclops and the gang are with sentinels and are basically like no you gotta you gotta come back you gotta come back to us
0: you gotta you gotta stay here yeah it's bad it's weird i think as a whole i understand the impetus behind decimation that there were too many mutants and i would say well then stop making mutants
1: sure yeah
0: you can just you you have, you have all these toys. You can stop doing more if you think you have too many. But uh, doing a status quo change like Decimation and then very specifically not having your biggest book at the time, which was Astonishing X-Men, even acknowledge it. Right. That's a weird choice. And I don't know. I think maybe they should have done stuff a bit differently. Uh, but I'd say, Adam, let's rank this bad boy. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. Um, I, I I think I want to go higher with this one, if only because it's it's taking more risks. It's more interesting. Oh yeah, it
0: it tries more. Like this is probably better than like ROM uh, seventeen through eighteen hybrid.
1: Uh, where are we at? Three twenty. Three twenty. Okay. Yeah, I I can get behind that. I think this is uh, doing more. You know what this is probably on par with something like Hunt for Xavier at 312.
0: Hmm, that's a good thing. So right above Hunt for Xavier 312 is X-Force 7 through 10. That is Old Ghosts.
1: Hmm. What do you think? And
0: that is the that is X-Force Volume 3, which is the one where where Ghost Rider teaches uh Warpath how to do uh Apache rituals yeah which uh, super duper that was
1: kind of a middling middling story as well um, it is a
0: middling it's got that's got bad bad art in it as well maybe this does break the top 300 because I'm looking at this yeah uh this is probably better than the first issue of x-men that's ever existed yeah I, I, not better than schism at 238 or 283
1: excuse me yeah I was gonna say I wouldn't go that high um no it's probably better than schism
0: no not as good as schism me. No, I don't me. think I it's as good
1: I think we are, let's see. What, what's Uncanny 326? Why do we have that? Is that a um, Is
0: that the weird Threnody one? We should label these no, better. No,
1: that one's not Threnody. Hold on. I got to look this up. That one is, hold on. I have
0: no recollection of it. When, it's when Banshee, not Banshee. Oh, Gambit and Sabretooth
1: fight in the Danger Room.
0: Yeah, and he shows Sabretooth all of the bad things he's done
1: yeah that's better than this um uh, what do you think about it in terms of quar? how about versus quarantine at 296 i think quarantine is probably uh, a little more fun but it also has greg land art
0: corn i'd say quarantine is better uh but it's not better than this is but this is better than number 297 which is freedom is a four-letter word with the murder grandpas
1: I agree. All right, so that would make this our new.
0: Wait, no, that's not the one with the murder. No, naples. no, that's just with freedom. It's, it's force, when freedom it's force, force attacks.
1: Uh, but I agree. I think this is trying some some interesting stuff, even if it's hard to look at. So this is going to be our new yep. 297 and our 501st story on the list. Congratulations! I'm very Sam.
0: excited about that. Congratulations, Adam! Wow, uh, this has been a fun episode. Um, and we should probably wrap the episode part of this up. So uh, first off, we want to thank Will again. Will, uh, you came on over and threw money our way, uh, supported the Patreon, and we will be forever grateful for that. All those dollars go directly to the Comics XF coffers and right into the hands of our excellent writers. Uh, so go support them. Uh, Adam, what's up? What are you doing?
1: Guys, uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. If uh, you didn't get a chance... I did get invited by the very talented Kenneth Laster to do the recap for the last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So if you missed our recap or any of Ken's recaps about the series, definitely go back and check those out. Uh, especially the
0: oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, especially
1: the one about the fifth episode with Corey is just really great. And so uh, if you missed that, uh, go back and check it out. It was really cool. Zach, what are you up to?
0: Absolutely do. Uh, I am just up to running the website, uh, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of good stuff uh, that's been posted recently, and for the life of me, I do not know what it is.
1: That's okay. There's always good content. So uh...
0: There's always good Oh, there's a fun little crossover I did with uh, Dan over at Gate Crashers. Uh, Dan McMahon who has been on the show a bunch. Uh, we talked about crossover as a crossover, uh, and the people on the Discord can't see that till tomorrow but trust me it's fun that's gonna be a weird (laughs) ass uh issue of comics uh next week adam do you know what we're talking about
1: uh we are talking about sixes
0: (laughs) yeah buddy we're gonna do axis we're gonna do axis baby i'm so glad that on one of the most stressful weeks of my life where i have so much going on i also get to reread axis
1: i am not looking forward to this uh but it's going to be a great episode i am sure
0: yeah, it'll be fun. But until then guys, this has been Bally We hope you survived the experience.
1: Get it!